Welcome to On DoD on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jared Serbu. Thanks for joining us this week. And on this week's program, we focus on the Navy's approach to modern software development. If you're not a first-time listener to the show, you're already well aware that there is a big push from the Pentagon, from Congress, from outside advisory boards to change the way DoD buys and builds software. The software modernization strategy DoD published earlier this year makes really, really clear that software factories and the agile DevSecOps processes they're built on is the direction the department wants everyone to go. And there are dozens of factories right now. The Air Force has a pretty clear lead in standing them up and experimenting with DevSecOps. But that's not to say the Army and Navy aren't interested. They do have factories of their own, just not as many. And on today's show, we're going to talk with some of the folks behind one of the main Navy efforts in this space. It's called Black Pearl. Our guests are Manuel Gauto, Black Pearl's chief engineer, and Bob Stevens, a vice president at GitLab, the company that provides the development pipeline behind the project. Bob and Manuel, uh, thanks to both of you for being here. Manuel, let's let's start with you, since Black Pearl is a relatively new organization. Give us a little background on on where you came from as an organization, what you've been up to, what some of your prime objectives are for the sea services. Yeah, of course. So we originated out of the CTO shop of the Department of the Navy. Um, and what kind of happened was with this DevSecOps revolution that was going through DOD, we had a couple upstart DevSecOps initiatives in the Navy uh, prior to them really being called software factories. And what happened was we had a couple false starts where the Navy would invest a ton of money into standing up one of these DevSecOps environments and they would get to the point where they had some basic functionality and then kind of got to a now what moment. And at that point, they had expended resources and weren't really putting them towards that modernization objective that's kind of the heart of the whole thing and accelerating delivery and all of that. So the kind of the the thesis behind Black Pearl is how do we commoditize that first step, provide the infrastructure and the tooling so that someone that has an actual mission can skip ahead to the, okay, what does DevSecOps mean to my mission? How does it improve the capability that I'm delivering? And how do I ultimately help the warfighter? Yeah, and it seems like there's a couple interesting things going on here, right? Not only are you across the Department of the Navy telling folks, hey, don't build your own dev st- DevSecOps stacks. We can do all of that process for you. Let's not reinvent the wheel. Black Pearl itself didn't do that. You borrowed heavily from Air Force Platform 1, as I understand it. Can, can you talk about how much you grafted onto Air Force Platform 1, how much is really Navy unique here, and, and why you chose them as a partner? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the Air Force has been, honestly, like they've been trailblazing with this SecOps, this DevSecOps stuff with Kessel Run and all of those really famous software factories. So when it comes to Platform 1, the original idea was actually to just reuse everything they had as is, including some of their common environments. But the struggle we ran into, which has never happened in DoD history before, is we ran into compliance problems. Um, compliance and accreditation issues. So what we ended up having to do is take a lot of the platform one technology and kind of like backfill the paperwork to get it accredited, which required us to kind of redeploy and control certain parts of it. And then also we kind of deviated from platform one a little bit in that when we go to a customer, we want to be able to say, hey, we guarantee from soup to nuts every piece and we'll offer this as a managed service to you all. And you just do not have to worry about any of this. 
um, which means that from a technical perspective, we had to do a little more um, in terms of security and kind of taking a little bit of choice away ultimately to kind of be able to make those guarantees. But we still collaborate with them. We we have we push code to them. They push code to us. So it's still pretty collaborative. And, and I think a lot of that assurance or that guarantee comes from the fact that the underlying platform is accredited up to, I think, IL level five, which is run by you folks at GitLab, right, Bob? Can you can you talk to us a little bit about what this experience working with, I think, the Air Force and the Navy at this point has been like and, and how really different bringing your product offering to a, a military setting has been compared to what it's like with your commercial customers? Well, one of the things that I mean that they tend to drive us a little more <laughs> um, to produce, you know, functionality or features faster, which is a good thing in the end, right? Because that benefits um, not only the customer but also uh, the company. Um, but <clears throat> just as an example, you know, moving secure, shifting security to the left, um, you know, which is, is is part of our platform, was really you know born out of the uh, you know the conversations that we were having with uh, with the Air Force uh, and Platform One. Um, so that, um, you know, you're, you're, you're doing security by design rather than, you know, bolting it on at the end, right? Um, so uh, that's just an example of, uh, you know, in working with the government that, you know, helps drive the company to be able to produce things uh, a lot faster. Another is speed to mission, right? Um, in, 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 you know, there's lots of uh, facts and figures out there from, from Platform One, but the bottom line is that, you know, they were able to reduce the amount of development time from months to weeks or days, um, which is super important when you've got a mission as important, you know, as our as our DoD does. Manuel, pick up that thread if you would. What sorts of other guarantees can Black Pearl make to Navy customers? Stuff that they don't have to worry about on their own. Yeah, so I think fundamentally, we the thing we've had the most success with is saying we understand you. Like we understand where you're coming from, right? We deploy to different places in the Navy. I, I think there's some pretty fundamental, there's always interbranch politics, right? So I think our biggest thing is, hey, we know your mission, we know where you're trying to go. And we can also uh, talk to the same people that are causing you compliance headaches and speak their language to them to enable you guys to actually deliver and not have to sell DevSecOps anymore. We can kind of do that for them so they can focus on actually doing their jobs and we'll just serve that enablement capacity for them don't necessarily need to name names here, but where have the, the biggest compliance headaches tended to be so far? And I, I mainly, I'm not talking about individuals here. I'm talking about in the process. Where, where have the biggest process problems tended to be? Yeah. So I think that fundamentally, right, the, the technology is ahead of the process. So we've had difficulties even just translating some of the ideas that a tool like GitLab provides the community and how do you capture that and present that to someone that ultimately needs to make a risk decision in a way where they're comfortable with it and like just serving as that intermediary and pushing policy forward is where we run into it. And how about on the compliance side that you mentioned, what were some of those early compliance problems that, that you mentioned running into and, and what have you been able to do to overcome those? Yeah, it's paperwork. It's always paperwork, right? So, and it has to be in the right format with the right boxes checked and you have to have the right backing material. So it was honestly, um, Platform One did a lot of great work from a technical perspective. So the, the technology was there, the security was there. We just needed to kind of take that and present it in a way that was acceptable by the Navy community within the Navy process. So it's it was always less about security and more about like, hey, we gotta we gotta check that box, which as we've seen, the Navy's trying to move away from that. Aaron Weiss has talked about how it's more about cyber readiness rather than cyber compliance. 
but I mean, tactically, right, there's still boxes to check, there's still work to be done and it, it offers some value, but that's mostly what we ran into is making sure we had the thing to check the box. Um, let's talk about what you've actually been able to do here so far. I know it's still relatively early days, but but talk about the size of your customer base within the Dawn, what sorts of things you've been able to ship so far? How, how, how much has this scaled so far? Yeah, so I think we're officially in the high hundreds of users. Um, and I think we've had a couple cool customers come on board thus far. So we've been working with the Minotaur team to talk about them they and the F-18 teams. And they're kind of working on mission planning, uh, real-time intel sharing in the field. And some of the stuff that we've really been able to do is like take real production code bases, put them in a place that everybody can get to, everybody can collaborate around and kind of actually start living and breathing those agile DevSecOps ideas. And to be honest, from, from a shipment perspective, like a lot of the Navy programs aren't even there yet. Like they're still at the, like, what is this agile thing? And realizing that you can't just call a one hour long meeting a standup and say that that's DevSecOps. Um, so we're, we're finally at a place now where I think we have the tools in place to enable the Navy to really discover what the potential is for this like more modern software development approach. You said there's not many there yet. Are there any that you can point to that are kind of early success stories? Yeah. So I think the Forge in particular, the, the, the Aegis team. So they started working with Platform One originally and are now moving, moving to work with Black Pearl. And they're working on like refactoring, like the crown jewel of the Navy's weapon system, right? The Aegis weapon system. So they've delivered some cloud-based apps for some of their backup, back of the house stuff. We've worked with them to kind of start putting together the prototypes that they're pushing onto an actual ship in terms of runtime platform. Um, they haven't quite gotten to the point of completely refactoring a multi-billion dollar weapon system, but they're definitely getting wins there in terms of delivering apps to the cloud and starting to get stuff, real software, real modern software on a ship. Talking with Manuel Gauto and Bob Stevens. Manuel is the chief engineer for the Navy's Black Pearl Software Factory and eventually maybe all in one DevSecOps project. Bob is VP at GitLab, the company that developed the underlying platform they're using in Black Pearl. Back in just a minute on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is on DOD. I'm Jared Servu. Back on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, this is on DOD. I'm Jared Serbu. As we continue our discussion on how the Navy's approaching the problem of how to get to the holy grail of modern software development without having to build new development pipelines over and over again, talking with Manuel Gauto, the chief engineer for the Navy's Black Pearl Software Factory, and Bob Stevens, the vice president at GitLab, the company that runs the pipeline Black Pearl is using. And Bob, I want to get you back in here too. Um, the, the DOD as a matter of policy is basically basically kind of said they want everything Manuel's talking about to be the way things are done for software development across the department and and not the exception. Based on what you've seen in the in the DoD space, is it going to be difficult to scale these tools so that that can become a reality? What what are some of the challenges you see in kind of recognizing that vision and making this the the de facto way of uh, way things are? Yeah, so Manuel actually said it without saying it. It's a what cultural shift right? Uh, the culture change that has to occur. I mean, it's, it's, it's a new way to think about doing a development. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, it's super beneficial, uh, you know, pretty much across the board. I mean, we'll talk about the visibility that um, the team has, the collaboration that can occur, 
right? Um, meaning that, you know, the, the, um, the F-18 pilot, right, can participate in the development of a tool that's being built for them uh, and understand exactly what's being built all along the way so that by the time the product comes out, right, they're, they're bought into it, right, because they've had a, a piece of it. Um, so, you know, that, that requires a cultural shift, right? Uh, first of all, for the developer to trust that pilot to actually provide them with input, um, but also, you know, collaboration between the security team and the development team, right? To ensure that, so, you know, security folks want development to go slower, right? Um, so that it's the most secure product. Developers want to go faster, right? And of course the end user wants it yesterday. So, um, you know, again, it's all a cultural shift that needs to occur. I think that's the biggest barrier. Man, well, same question, really. I mean, how again, you're small, totally understandable at this point, but what challenges do you see other than the cultural ones that Bob just talked about in terms of scaling Black Pearl up? Because I think by policy, Black Pearl is the only game in town for DevSecOps in the Department of the Navy, right? No, that's actually not true. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, so there's a couple other ones out there. Um, so I'll, I'll say a couple pieces. I'll answer your question. I want to piggyback off something Bob said really quickly. So yeah. I think that one of the unique things that Black Pearl has, it honestly feels like a challenge to me sometimes, is that we are a very real thing that tests all of these ideas, right? Everybody talks about cyber readiness. Everybody talks about modernizing software development. What does it mean when end users can give feedback? And like that all sounds great, but there's a lot of details, right? That cultural change, you, you hit the inertia of, of a very old, very set in its way institution, right? So I think kind of piggybacking off what he said, like Black Pearl provides the the very real thing that's trying to push for that. And we feel it every day, like the pushback from the different stakeholders and everything. And in terms of scalability, I think in the long, long term, I think it all boils down to talent and resource management. Like the DOD has very, very difficult problems and the resources that are at our disposal within the DOD in terms of talent, it can really hold us back. And like, I think one of the things that we're trying to figure out with Black Pearl is how do we take the resources we have and kind of offer them in a more sustainable way to the enterprise so that when people really get stuck on an A-level problem, we have the A-level resources they need to fix that problem. And that's what that's one of the things that keeps me up at night is who comes after Manuel, who comes after my team, like this thing is going to get bigger than me, like we really need those people in the department. The talent piece is interesting. Can you Can either of you talk about kind of the civilian contractor military mix in these projects and, and how that's all working. How easy is it? I know there's not unlimited talent on the outside either, but but how easy is it to bring in people who do have more experience with the DevSecOp way of things and pull them in to offer some expertise? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first, man. Well, so one of the things that the pandemic did was drive people to remote work, right? And as a result of that, the software factories have been able to um, attract talent in places they've never had before or were able to before. You know, some of these um, these factors are being built uh, in places that are desirable uh, for people to live. You know, and uh, and the fact that they can do this all remote work uh, and and collaborate and be you know uh, more productive than they than they have been in the past, I think, has really opened up the opportunity for you know the DoD. I mean, if you'd asked me uh, three years ago if you know the Air Force was, uh, or told me the Air Force was gonna go all remote, I'd be like, you're crazy, that's never gonna happen, right? So not, not only have they they've done it, uh, th but they, they're continuing to do it. And I think they plan to do it 
uh, long into the future because I think you know they they've recognized the benefits of being able to get talent you know anywhere in the United States versus you know just uh, where they have been traditionally been able to attract them which is you know basically you know it was around the bases right because they had to go into the base to do the work um, that's just not the case anymore so I think that that has really really helped DoD become you know better at uh, at the development uh, game. Manuel, you want to elaborate on the talent piece at all? Yeah. So one big change is, is that I'm seeing is, for example, I'm, I'm a contractor, right? I wouldn't, honestly, I don't think I would work directly for the government. Like, I don't think I would be a government, like civilian employee. I don't think I'd be a GS schedule employee. Uh, Just considering how things are on the market right now, right? So I think one thing that has changed for the better is that the government is being much more collaborative with the contracting community, the industrial base, and willing to empower them to make decisions and run the platform. So I don't get pushback from some government person when I make a technical decision. Like they'll ask questions, but I've never been completely like flat out, no, you can't do that. I like this better. You have to use this. And I think that's the right step forward. I I think part of what I was saying is outside those key positions, right? I think we, thankfully the remote thing makes it much easier because we can access talent pool we didn't have before. But we do need to figure out, like, how do we incentivize people to come work for the government, even on the contractor side? And how do we encourage them to stay? Because we have really cool problems to solve. So I feel like we have a really good product to sell in a way in terms of attracting talent. That's, um, I got to say, surprising to me that you're a contractor. It's not what I would have assumed. It is any observations from either of you about increasing openness among DOD leadership to allow that sort of thing? It, it, that feels really new to me that, that that's even a possibility. Yeah, I'll go quickly. I think Bob has something to say as well. So I, I think it is. And I think it's, this is one of the things that I think Black Pearl has done well. So we actually were started, I don't know if you've heard of the Presidential Innovation Fellows Program. Sure. So um, we had a piff with us to kind of first start breaking down the doors. And that's one of the big wins from his time is he went to leadership and said, these are the guys you want. They're going to make it happen. And like, you need to work with them to make this happen. And ever since then, like we've, we've worked really closely with Navy leadership all the way up to the SES levels, the C-suite and Mr. Weiss, Ms. Rathbun, they've all been super open to hear our ideas and they listen to us. And like, we speak to them directly with where we think these things should go. And they're more than willing to say, this is, this is how I feel about it. This is what I think should change. Um, And I think more broadly, like they, let us speak to the community about how we think should things should be done. And they're willing to let us kind of uh, evangelize our own ideas as well. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it's about a partnership. Uh, and I think that uh, the true partnership is being embraced by, uh, by the government. Uh, I think they've recognized for a long time, right. That they need industry to be able to, to do what they do. But um, you know, maybe this is a result of the pandemic. I don't know, but you know, now it's like we need industry more now than ever. Uh, and there's a ton of expertise uh, that we uh, that we can get um, by you know uh, working with contractors and empowering the contractors is really what Manuel was saying, right? The, the contractors are are empowered now um, to make decisions on behalf of the government because they've earned that trust, uh, and I think that that's just going to continue to grow uh, and be more crucial uh, to the success of you know in particular the DoD. Changing gears a little bit here, Manuel. What's your basic sales pitch to the to the rest of the the Navy naval community as to why they should use Black Pearl instead of doing everything they want to do within their PM office? So I think fundamentally is we commoditize the boring stuff that comes with 
DevSecOps to enable the mission owners to do the important cool stuff that comes with DevSecOps. Like uh, we, we make sure the lights stay on so that the people in the office can do their jobs. I think that's fundamentally what we're selling. And how do you overcome the trust piece? Because they, they don't control anything that you do and people generally in this space want to have control. So if, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the reaction sometimes has got to be, well, what if Black Pearl goes down? What if, what if one day I can't rely on it anymore? There's nothing I can do. How, how do you yeah. talk to people about that? So I think there's a couple of pieces there, right? We're, we're also building off the, the shoulders of giants, right? We're building off that platform one pedigree. We've done, people love seeing the paperwork that we've done. We have our EMAS package. They can go in there and look at all the compliance stuff. We, we are using the same technologies, best of breed technologies, like the GitLabs of the world that they're familiar with. And then honestly, it also comes down to like, this is not my first rodeo in the Navy. So I was involved personally with a lot of the software factories that sprung up. I was there with the precursor to the forge. I was out and helping out the ACS folks over on the West coast. So like, there's a couple pieces. There's the, the stuff that we've done with platform one. We also have some reputation. Leadership has also put out like, Hey, this is something we're behind. They're seeing the trust between us and leadership. And there is still some of that, like, I don't control it. I'm scared. Like, what if it goes down? And the last piece I'll say is like, it's still better than what we have today. Like the, the government doesn't have control in a lot of situations, their source code, their integration environments are locked away in some lab controlled by some prime contractor. And now the alternative of presenting them is this is a common environment you can log into today. It's controlled by the government. It's government managed. Like it, it's a completely different pattern. And and how does the pricing structure work? Do you, do you feel like you've got something in place at this point where, you know, you've got a funding stream that's sufficient to keep the platform running and innovating, but at the same time, isn't cost prohibitive for the people you're trying to attract? Yeah. So when I think of the, the big things that we tried to do right from the beginning, um, lessons learned from the other software factories is we needed to be financially and programmatically viable. So we've priced ourselves in a way where, so we, we did that a couple of ways. We kept the team lean. So our costs are low. And because of that, we're able to keep the prices fairly reasonable when it comes to what we offer to our users. So our general pricing structure is like any commercial software as a service solution, we charge per head per month. Um, so it's a fairly, they can plug in a number into a calculator and they get a number out. The costs are predictable and linear, and it gives us in terms of viability, like we're good. We could operate as is indefinitely. And, and do you, do you offer anything in terms of, um, a, a cloud environment to actually run the end product in, or, or are you just focused on the development platform at this point? That is a great question. So we will, um, the technology is in place. The environment is actually up. It actually runs our website. Um, we're just doing the same exercise we did the development side. We have to go back, go to the accreditation officials and make them comfortable that we're doing this the right way, the safe way, the secure way. And that's what we're going through right now. seems like that sweetens the pot too. I mean, you're, you're coming, coming to customers even more with a full package here that says we're going to do even more for you. Exactly. And we're trying to grow with the customer base because we're having people that are getting to that point where they're ready to start deploying right now. And like, we want to be there ready for them when they get to that point to be like, absolutely, we'll put you right there. And then you can get to it wherever you want. Last thing. Well, where do you want to go in the next two, three, five years? How big can Black Pearl get? What are your, what are your big obstacles toward becoming the preeminent uh, development center for the entire department of the Navy? <laughs> this is where I get in trouble. So I, I want Black Pearl to enable development for all software in the dawn. I don't want to control development. I don't want to control deployment. I just want to 
take that problem away from everyone in the department of the Navy and let them focus on doing their jobs, getting software out to the fleet and making sure that they can do their jobs that our sailors stay safe and that we're making this nation safer. Also should go back to the question that I incorrectly asked where I suggested that you were the only game in town for Navy DevSecOps. Uh, where, where exactly is your role in the overall ecosystem? Who else is out there? So there is the Overmatch Software Armory, um, which is part of the whole Project Overmatch umbrella. Mm -hmm. And you use a very interesting word. You use the word ecosystem. And we're actually working with them because originally in the Department of Navy, development and deployment were all in the same spot. And you had to control the whole chain. And what we're pushing for now, and I think the model that we're going to get to, to answer where we're going, is Black Pearl will offer development, and then there will be mission-specific software factories for getting to canes, to getting to the Hornet, to getting to the submarine. Like Those are very difficult, very specific problems that I can't solve for everybody. But I can say I can offer you secure GitLab. I'll make sure it's backed up. I'll make sure it stays up. I can offer you software, source code scanning, container scanning. And I think that's where we're going. Got it. So you'll have to be interconnected with those independent sort of purpose-built software factories. Exactly. And we're working on an interface to say, like, how do we hand artifacts over in a consistent way? Manuel Gauto is the chief engineer for the Navy's Black Pearl Software Factory, and Bob Stevens is a vice president at GitLab, the company that runs the pipeline Black Pearl is using. If you missed any of this conversation, we'll post this week's full program, as always, at federalnewsnetwork.com slash on DOD. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. I'm Jared Serbu. So long. You've been listening to On DOD on Federal News Network. Tune in Wednesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 